let's let's get to it. Um, man, I'm I'm really pumped about what I feel like Jesus has laid on my heart here. Simple idea, simple truth, kind of big thing, just to pitch your way and see what Jesus will do in your heart with it. So, right before I get to it, though, as always, I like to tell you just a little bit about myself, just a, just a smidge about who I am and what I do, what I'm up to. Uh, I, I am the youth pastor here at New Life Church. Have been for just about ten years, and. Um, um, I got a smoking hot wife named Maria. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Did you ask where is she, <laughs> bro? <laughs> Where's she? I'll be the judge of that. Uh, you and me can have words. Uh, so, and I don't care if you're bigger than me. This is my wife we're talking about. I can take you. Uh, no, I love you. Um, and I got three great kids, Aurora, Ewan, and Reese. And they are, they are um, scream-worthy. And they are wonderful, wonderful kids. They are three, um, one and a half, and about four months. And so I don't sleep ever. But I love them very much. And life is good because Jesus lives in my heart. Let me tell you a quick story about me. Here we are at Light Up the World. That's a really big, really important idea. Something pretty incredible that we believe Jesus has called all of us to do. And um, as I was thinking about the idea of Light Up the World, I was recalling uh, my childhood and different times when different things have been in my life lit up. <laughs> and I recalled this one time when my family went camping. All right. And, and, it was a very nice trip. It was a very, a very lovely little meadow, grassy fields, nice trees, tents. Several families went all together. And we went to go to this camping trip. And I don't know what happened on this one particular afternoon. But on one particular afternoon, all of the adults somehow had gone either on hikes or walks or they were sleeping in tents, leaving all of the children kind of just around the camp. At least this is the way that I remember it. And so, I don't know, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe seven or somewhere in there, maybe six. And, you know, there's some old kids there, like 12. And, uh, you know, it just, there wasn't a lot of uh, supervision. And so it was a little bit chilly on this particular afternoon. So we decided we should build, oh, sorry, we should build a fire. So we went to build this fire, all of these little kids, you know, bringing in logs and twigs and weeds and sticks and bunnies and whatever we could find and threw them all into the, into the fire pit, the big rock pit that we had there. And then went, hmm, how do we do this? Cause we lit a match and we threw it in there and it didn't light up. So we thought, well, I watched daddy use this can of stuff. And, and, uh, it, it says, Ligeter Fluida. So, so somebody took it and put a little bit on. It's empty. Right, so 
And so we just filled this thing up because we just didn't know it was going to work great or not. So, so, so we kind of covered it as much as we thought we needed to. And then we lit the match. And, of course, everyone gets closed because you want to see the fire as it goes. So it's exciting. You're cold. You're chilly. So you walk up to the front. And we just kind of and lit through, the, through the little uh, match in there waiting for the, you know, the little first spark and the first flame to come out and toss it in there. And lo and behold... Mushroom cloud. Boom! It just explodes in our faces. It's like no bangs, no eyebrows, no nothing. Gone, all right? Bambi's running, fleeing from the forest. Everyone's screaming. And it wasn't just in the rock pit, because whoever was shooting the lighter fluid just got all over the place. So now it's like kids' pants are on fire. Everybody's running all over the place. Now we're trying to stamp it out. Can't do it. Trying to find blankets and throw blankets on it. Can't, that's not working. So there's more bunnies. Try to put it out. That's not working. Get the youngest kids and take them. And, you know, that finally did the trick. Mom and dads weren't happy when they got back. <laughs> It's like major Lord of the Flies action in the camping trip. This is terrible. I don't know what happened. I think my parents might be here. Uh, Dad, you probably don't know that story. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, so I know that's a little bit of a... A little bit of an odd scenario when you think of Light Up the World. Some of you came to the Light Up the World uh, Desperation Conference, and you're like the pyro of your youth group, so that's what you were thinking when you showed up. You're like, Light Up the World, and that's, that's why you came, and you found out that Jesus has something much different in store for you, <laughs> but I know the story I've told you is kind of like Light Up the Forest, but I, I do... I do think that there's something very important to this idea of lighting up the world that Jesus wants us to really get into. Now, we've had a great track so far, haven't we? Last night was so incredible with David talking about being amazed at God. And the people that interact with Jesus, they they get amazed by him. In essence, he was just talking about loving God and seeing God for who he is. Being amazed at his wonder and his magnificence, his greatness. This morning, I think Brady, what Brady was really saying was, he was, of course, saying, you are sons and daughters. And so he was saying, hey, look, if if last night was uh, love God, then this morning was kind of just let God love you. Figure it out. He loves you very much. He's on your side. He wants the best for you. Let God love you. And today I think I'd like to take you down just a little bit more further in this journey and and kind of follow up with this idea that what what we're maybe going to do is we respond to that love that God has given to us. As we respond to how much we love Him. As we respond by loving other people, living the lives that God's called us to. So can we do that? You all right? Okay. Let's do this thing. You know, I went to conferences like this uh, pretty much all my life. I mean, I, I've been there. I've done what you're doing. I've gone through it. I've, I've been in the vans. I've driven forever. I have been in the hotels. I've been in the tents. Anybody from Tent City? Has anybody died yet? 
What are you? Yeah. I love the people that scream about anything. Are you dead? Yeah, I told them. <laughs> um, I've done all that stuff. I know what it is, man, to drive for hours and hours on end to go to a conference. And for the most part, it's pretty fun. And I know what the people are like in your van. I know who they are. I know how they operate. I know that there's like the there's like the kid who just wears the the iPod iPhones like uh, the headphones like the whole time, and he's just back there kind of in his own world. And he doesn't say a word like the whole time. He like gets out to eat. Sup? You know that kid? There's the there's the. There's the creepy pyro kid who thought he was coming to light up the world. He's sitting in the back like this. There's the, uh, there, there, there's the, the couple who, uh, who aren't really a couple. And, and on the course of the journey, they're like, you know, they're, they're sitting by each other the whole time. Then they get sleepy. They... Lay down on each other's shoulders. Except the girls are usually pretty cool about it. They're like, hmm. But the guy's like this. I know what it is. I've done a lot of these things. And I've, I've, I've traveled to many conferences. I've, I've heard uh, a variation of light up the world every time. Uh, and I, I've, I've seen it. I, I, I know every combination that you could think of, every title that you could think of. Uh, light up the world. Light up the forest. Light up your face. Blow your friend's face away. But I, I don't know. Go out and save the world. Save the universe. Save the whales. Save the bunnies from the little children in the fire. Save... Every kind of conference that, that you could think about. And can I tell you just something really honestly and just be kind of forthcoming with you today? A lot of times those things that I went to, they didn't amount to much for my life over the long haul. That's sad. We don't want that to be the case for you here. And if I'm really honest, that is the way that it worked for me a lot of times. I, it, it didn't amount to much. I mean, I, I had a great time and I did experience some good things and I connected with the Lord and it was great. But oftentimes I, I kind of left just going, what, so what does that mean? What am I, what am I supposed to do? How, light of the world, how do I do that? What, what's the next thing? I mean, I, I got all pumped up. I, I listened to bands and I worshiped hard and I, <laughs> yeah. I was there doing the thing and listening to the sermons. I was like, that guy's funny. That guy's serious. That guy's good. That guy's weird. And I, I listened to everything that was being said and I would get pumped and ready and think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to light up the world. I'm going to save my friends. I'm going to reach my campus. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to start the groups. I'm going to do all the stuff. I can't wait to get back. It just, I'm so full. And I can't, oh, yeah, woo, woo, woo. And, and then, and then, and then I get back and what happens? You know, the story, it's a very common tale. A week later, 
Oh, I wish I was back there again. <laughs> Things are so lame here. Man, I remember so long ago, like two days, when I was at desperation, it was so sick. I remember John Egan, he was like, let's worship God. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember Jared Anderson was so cool. He was like, hey, kick the roommates out of your heart. He's awesome. But now things are dumb. Anybody? You experienced that before? It's kind of a common tale. It happens and you have a great experience and then you go back and it it just kind of dwindles away. And I mean, why not? You know, years later I started to realize what I think some of the problem might have been for me. Years later, I started to realize that when I went to those things, most of it was about me. It was about me. What could I get? What was I going to do? What was God going to do in me? What was going to be my calling? What was going to happen in my heart? Me, 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 me. And don't get me wrong. God wants to do things in your heart. God has an interest in, uh, of course, he's, uh, we've covered nothing but so far. He has an interest in you. But I, I, I'm talking about from my perspective. I just was, I was focused so much on me. that I think I missed out on a lot of what God wanted to do and continue to do in me. So years later, I realized everything was then and kind of continued to be about me. And and why not? I mean, the rest of my life kind of revolved around me at that time, right? So I had my, when I had my life, I was in high school, things were good. You know, you got a car, you got kind of your, your girlfriend, you got, you got, you got your clothes, you got your sports, you got your music, and you got all these things kind of revolving around in your universe that you are the centerpiece of. Oh, I am so incredibly important right now. Some of you know what that feels like. And everything just kind of revolves around you. It's your world. It's your life. It's all important. And so you go to this thing and you think, well, why not? You know, I mean, uh, all these things make me feel great. And I'm loving life and I'm doing this. So, well, you know what I need? I need, I just need a little, I just need a little Jesus. I'm going to go to Life of the World Desperation Conference and I'm, I'm going to get some Jesus out of it. Pluck. And I'm just going to put him in the rotation of all the things that revolve around me in my universe. Ooh, this is good. Hey, Jesus, you're a nice addition. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to my planet. A lot of you know what I'm talking about, though you don't want to admit it. Oh. And so what do you do with it? You go, here's all the pieces of my life revolving around my planet. And so I'm going to take when I need what I need. I'm going to grab onto, let's say I'm going to school today, so I need my clothes. Ooh, I look good. I need my car. Ooh, vroom, vroom. I need, I need my hot girlfriend. Rowl. I need, uh, oh, here's Jesus. Jesus, come by. Oh, let's just leave you there for now. Mm Mm-hmm. You got really quiet. That's kind of the way it worked for me. And then you go to youth group. And you you go to church and you think, oh, okay, well, same thing. Let's grab my clothes. Ooh, looking snazzy. Okay, snazzy. 
how old am I? <laughs> oh, groovy. <laughs> uh, good grief. If I ever say snazzy again, just somebody slap me across the face. None of you. Especially that guy talking about my wife. Okay. All right. So I'm going to church. So now I'm going to pick up the things that I need. I got my clothes. Uh, well, I'm not going to have my girlfriend in this one because she doesn't really believe in God. So let's leave her out of this. So I'm going to need me some Jesus. So let's bring Jesus now into the center. Come on, Jesus. Come in and hang out while I'm at church. But as soon as I'm done, I'm going to need you to kind of get lost because I'm going to go out with the buddies. Me, me, me. Everything kind of revolves around me. And so for me, it just didn't last. It didn't continue. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're listening to me going, well, you're crazy. You're a punk. You're a jerk. You're a sinner. Yeah, I am actually kind of all those things. But probably a lot of you are too. And maybe you've had similar experiences to the ones that I've had. Maybe you've asked some of the questions like I'm asking today that I used to ask. Why can't I keep feeling like this? Why, why does this always go away? Why, why, why do I end up going back to the way things always were? Why does it feel like God isn't really listening anymore? When I was there, it was like he was right there. It was as if he was just here and I would pray and he was listening. And man, it was so incredible. Where did that go? Why can't I sense him like I did then? Why don't I feel this like I did then? Why can't I just have John Egan in my room and the D-band every single day? And I wake up. <sighs> Morning, John. I don't know if you do that when you get up. Don't. It's gross. Morning, John. Morning, D-band. Uh, you guys got some works today for me? Oh, sorry, that's around here, that's what we call worship. You guys got some worship for us uh, today? You want to worship a little bit? That'd be great. All right. Ooh, you guys want some pancakes? No? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I, why can't I just have the feeling? Why can't I have this happening? How do I do it? Why don't I sense God like I did then? What? what how, how do I really light up the world? What's... What's my next thing? I mean, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm doing the right things. The right things. I, I, I'm going to youth group. I'm going to church, right? I'm doing the things that I should be doing. Why isn't this working for me? See, I don't know if we're asking the right questions there. Today, I think I might have one of the answers. If you've asked those questions of yourself... I, I might have one of the answers today. And I've already referenced it a little bit, but I think that maybe we've made following Jesus more about us than it is about Him. More about us and our lives and our getting than about what we can give and sacrifice and get back to Him. I think maybe we've made... Jesus, kind of the addition to our already excellent lives. We put him in rotation. Ooh, good step. But Jesus did not die 
on a cross. God the Father did not send His only Son. Jesus did not give His own life on the cross, sacrificing everything just so that He could be in a rotation in your life. He gave His all so that He could gain your all. That's the way this is supposed to work. Not just a rotation. I think this is something that it's time for all of us to work on. He's not the addition to our already excellent lives. We can just add on. He's kind of the cherry on top of our life's Sunday. I've got all the good things that I love and that I want. And then I put Jesus on top. Boop. Hello, little red cherry Jesus. That's weird. Never say that again. Essentially, it's like... Yeah, I've got my life. I've got my life going on, and I just, I just need a little Jesus on the side, just from time to times. I got, I got my life. I got everything that I need. Would you like a little Jesus with that? Oh, sure, sure. I've got my clothes. Would you like a side of Jesus? Oh, sure. I've got my car. Oh, would you like a side of Jesus? Oh, yeah, sure. It's like a side of fries. We just kind of get him along with everything else that we have going on. This is not the way that Jesus called all of us to live as disciples. He called for the whole thing. He gave his all so that he could gain our all. This is really the simple idea that I want to throw your way today. And I don't think we're the first people to have to face it. So let's talk about it for a couple minutes. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 1. Who's got your Bibles? 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 Lift them high, lift them high. That's pretty good, okay? Here we go, Isaiah 58, starting in verse 1. This is the prophet he's given. He's given quite a rebuke is on the way here at the beginning. Here it comes. It says, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion, and to the house of Jacob their sins, for day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right, and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it, God? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you, God, have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, here it is, you do as you please. You do what feels good. You do what you want to do. You kind of add in to your already wonderful life. A fast, a lifestyle lived for God. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please. And it lists some of the things that they're doing. You exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. And striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast. Listen to this. You cannot fast as you do today. And expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? 
I think that maybe for a lot of us, this is the way that we live our lives. And this is the way that we attend conferences. And this is the way that we leave after a youth group night. We're, we're doing the right stuff. It looks okay. It seems right. It seems like we're eager to know Him. We're eager to pursue Him. We're eager to do this. We have all these things that look just right. And by and large, a lot of them are right. The action is right. It's good for us to pursue. But along with it, we want what we want. And so we're left saying the things that these guys are saying. We're saying, why are we doing these kinds of things? But you don't seem to be close. Why are we doing these things day after day? But you don't hear us. I mean, aren't we doing the right stuff? Aren't we doing what we're supposed to be doing? But we're not seeing transformation. We're not seeing light. I think it's because we've just reduced Christianity and being Christ followers to being an addition to whatever it is that we want. I want the benefits of what Jesus can bring me. But I also want to do everything I want to do. In essence, we just say stuff like this. Hey man, I just want, I want everything in my life to feel really good. I want my relationship with uh, my friends, I want that to feel good. I want my relationship with my girl uh, to feel good. I want my clothes to feel good. I want my car to feel good. I want... I want my I want my sports to feel good. I want my music to feel good. I want my Jesus to feel good. And it's all kind of equal for me. I just take it all, mix it all together. But let me tell you, there's one of those things. There's one of those people that deserves to be at the very top, the very forefront, the 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 single most and best position of your heart and life. His name is Jesus Christ. And he doesn't want to share with all that other stuff. He wants all of you. Go back to David last night. Think about all, all of the things that God has done. All the things that he can do. And what happens when you look on him and you really get to see him. And you become so amazed at how incredible he is. Think about today, Pastor Brady talking about you being sons and daughters. And how much he loves you. So much that he gave his only son for you. So we do all these things at church or at youth group or we do all this stuff. A lot of the time we just end up looking a lot like the world looks. Because we just take all the world has to offer and we take all that, that Jesus has to offer and we just try to mesh them and mix them and put them together. And Jesus says, I don't want to be a part of all of that. I am holy. I am pure. I am righteous. I am God. And I don't want that stuff. I can't have that with me. It is the opposite of me. And I can't have it in you. If you want me to do in you what you say you really want. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please. And you can't fast as you do today. And expect your voice to be heard on high. So we, we push it all together. We kind of look like the rest of the world. And so we act like them. We talk like them. We dress like them. And listen, I'm not saying them. This is not a, like an us against them kind of a thing. We're so good. They're so bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they don't know Jesus. But we do. We should be different. We should not date like they date. 
We should not marry like they marry, which means a lot of times we should not divorce like they divorce. But we do. We marry like the world marries. We divorce like the world divorces. That is not the church that Jesus died for. It's not. But bro, I so bad want to make a difference. I know. I know. But we don't make much of a difference. Because the fact of the matter is, we push all this together, we aren't really that different. But Brent, you don't understand, bro. I, I go to youth group, don't I? I wear the t-shirts, don't I? I went out there and I bought me every one of them desperation t-shirts. I don't know why you have that accent, but suddenly you do. <laughs> I went and I bought me all them t-shirts out there. Got me a book or two. Got me one of them D-band CDs. Gonna worship to it later. Okay, now I feel like George W. Bush. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> going to worship, going to be good. Um, you know, I wear the t-shirts, I got all the stuff. I even got the good old school t-shirts at home, man. I got the, I got the God's Gym t-shirt right there in my closet. Maybe you don't know what that t-shirt is, big guy. God's Gym. All right, never mind. From the 80s, I got the Jesus Extreme Lord t-shirt in my closet. I got them all. I, I read my Bible. I do. I read my Bible. I, I, well, I mean, I mean, I think about reading. I mean, I, I read it. Well, I mean, I pulled it out. Well, I mean, it's what's well, on my shelf. It's a, where is that Bible? But I pray. I pray, dude. And I, well, I mean, I, I, pr- I pray. I, I prayed. I, I prayed several times, like 20, 30, I mean, 17, uh, it was maybe the third, well, 10, two, three, one time, I prayed, one, I thought about praying one time, several months ago, and you know what I decided? I decided, I just don't think this whole thing really works. That's what I decided. Now I gave your thing a shot, Jesus. I don't think it really works. It doesn't last in my heart. It's not working. Man, we're so messed up. I don't know if you've ever asked that question, but I've heard people ask that question. I don't think this works because I, 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 I kind of did. I, I kind of tried all the things I'm supposed to try. I kind of lived this life I'm supposed to live. But you haven't been able to give all of yourself. And you've just tried to engraft a little bit of good in with all the other stuff that you want. Mush it all together without any sacrifice. You do as you please. The Message Bible says the bottom line is your fast days, it's done for your profit. So sure, you do this stuff, but you also do... Whatever it is you want. Trying to get everything that you want. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Jesus says you can't fast as you do today. Expect your voice. He says it through the prophet. You cannot fast as you do today. And expect your voice to be heard on high. You can't live that way. You can't live your life the way that you want to. However you want to. Whenever you want to. Doing whatever you want to. And expect to hear. Expect me to hear your prayers on high. 
It just doesn't work that way. The Message Bible says it this way. Man, you live that kind of a life and your prayers are never going to get off the ground. And he's so hungry for your prayers to get off the ground and come up to him so he can move and work in your life because he loves you so much. He's just looking for you to change and to sacrifice. The fact of the matter is, when it all comes down to it, this whole deal is not about you. It's just not. It isn't about you. Mark 12, 28 through 31 should be a familiar passage to most of us. He calls it the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now let me ask you a quick question this greatest commandment. Where are you really mentioned in that whole scenario? Nowhere. Who's mentioned? God first. Who's second? Everybody else. Where are you? Mm-hmm. You're the one. With all that loving. That's who you are. You're not in there anywhere. John 15, 13. It's another passage. Another greater. This is the greatest commandment. John 15, 13. Uh, Jesus says, No greater love has a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So if you're going to love God, what's the greatest way that you could love God? Lay down your life for Him. Sacrifice. Give it all. If you want to love your friends, what's the greatest way that you could possibly do that? Give it all. Sacrifice. Lay it down. Give it up. Get rid of all the things that you want. Stop thinking of doing what you please. Stop being so selfish. Stop making all of this deal, this Christianity, these conferences, your youth group, all this stuff. Stop making it all about you and start making it about him and them. And then you're going to see stuff begin to happen in your life. This is the way that he called all of us to live. Then you get into James one twenty seven. From this vantage point, you start jumping out into what Jesus calls then real religion or pure and faultless religion to take care of widows and orphans and to keep yourself from being unpolluted by the world. Sorry, to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Now, finally, you've got to mention, congratulations. Hey, you, you made it. Now you're being mentioned. There's you. But your task is to just keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Somewhere along the way, we've decided that living for Jesus is about what we can get rather than what we can give. And I think that's wrong. I don't think that's the way he meant for us to live. We decided it's about what makes me feel so good. And that's not the point. That's not his story. That's not Christianity. So when somebody says, oh, it doesn't work, this just doesn't work, it's not happening, I'm still addicted, I'm still depressed, I'm still this, I'm still that. Well, my question always is, well, how are you really living? Have you given it all to him yet? Following Jesus is not an addition to your already comfortable life. Following Jesus is a life of sacrifice for God and a life of sacrifice for other people. There it is. It's pretty simple. It's not you building what Delirious coined a, a, a kingdom of comfort for yourself. Everything around me makes me feel great. 
We're called not to build a kingdom of comfort for our lives. We're called to build the kingdom of God here on the earth. That's what we're on the planet for. To light up this world. So when are we going to stop it? When are we going to stop all the, 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 the big gatherings and all the sermonizing about me, 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 me? This is why I love desperation so much. It's why I love that last night we just kicked off with, man, look at God. Be amazed by Him. Him, 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 Him. This morning it was Him, Him, Him. And He loves you. Now respond to it. It's time we start focusing our attention on Him. I got to tell you, I'm a horrible youth pastor. I got to be honest with you. I'm awful. Because while everybody else gets to talk about all the cool stuff, I mean, every, every, these guys will tell you. They'll tell you. Uh, everybody's, uh, oh, we got a new series going on at youth group. It's about sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, hope you don't respond that way to that conversation. But Sorry, did I scare you by saying the word? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Dating. All right. We got the cool, we got, we got this new thing about dating. And I, and I love all that. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. But here's what I think. I think, look, the fact of the matter is, you don't so much need to learn how you need to date. That's important for us to talk about every time, from time to time. But here's the way I view all of this. If you need to learn how to treat a girl, you just need to learn how to live your life for God, love God, love other people, and He's going to help you learn how to love that girl in the right way. It's him first. It's not all this stuff. Yeah, but I, I want to date. I want to know how to date. Essentially, what you're saying is, I want to know how to get girls. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Step one. But I, th- that's the way I think. You can ask them. I mean, this whole year, I've been talking about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Cross, 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 cross. And they're like, dude, it's February. It's Valentine's Day. Can't we talk about dating? No, it's Jesus. You need to learn about dating. You just need to learn about Jesus. He'll teach you about dating. I dated in high school. I was pathetic. Don't tell my wife. I believe in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and everything else is going to take care of itself. He's going to add all things unto you. I believe that. God. Love God. Love people. It happened to me at at the last desperation. I had the sweetest girl come to me in the middle of worship and say... She was just in tears, just crying, saying, I, I just, I can't feel him. I can't feel him. I, I, I can't, I just, I've tried everything I can think of and I just can't. And I don't sense him. And I don't, uh, and I, I totally understood her heart. And I, I felt really, I felt so compassion. I felt compassion for her. My heart just reached out to her because she was so distraught and in tears and help me, help me, help me. I just can't, I can't, I can't. Feel. And I just stopped her and said, listen, listen to you. Just wait, stop. I said, I made a decision a long time ago that my life, no matter what, was going to be lived in obedience to Him. So if I never feel Him, if I never sense Him, if I never have anything that goes on in my life again, I'm going to worship Him, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray to Him, I'm going to obey Him, I'm going to serve Him, I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do, I'm going to do all those things if I never feel Him again. Because my relationship with God has zero to do with how I feel about Him or how much I feel Him him in me. 
zero, nothing, nothing. I don't care. I just want to be obedient to him. Here's the fact of the matter. All the stuff that we do, all the worship, all the prayer, all the obedience, it has nothing to do with how you feel. It has to do with God's greatness, and that never changes. So why do we ebb and flow? It's because of us. He doesn't change. He's always the same. No matter what, I'm in it. So I told this girl that, and she went back. I said, just go try that. Stop thinking, me, 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 what am I going to get? What am I going to feel? Stop thinking that way. Go back to your seat and go put your hands up in the air and worship God because he's great. Give him your all. Sacrifice for him because he's great. And that's what she did. She went back and she came afterwards and she was like this. (laughs) Okay, I'm exaggerating. If she's here, uh, sorry, I know you didn't really do that, but I'm an idiot. So, but she was thrilled. Why? Because she stopped saying, me, 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 me. And she started thinking, sacrifice, give God, people. And it transformed everything because there's something crazy that happens when you do this. There's something crazy that goes on when you respond to God just out of your love for him and love for people. God does something great in you no matter what. So though I've made the commitment, no matter what I feel like I'm going to serve him. Every time I do obey and when I do serve and when I do worship, something always happens in my heart. And I know the presence of Jesus. Ooh, that's a little bit ahead. I'll come back to that in just one second. First, let's read through. Uh, let's go back to Isaiah real quick. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. So this is what he says. He says, is, this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? This is what he chose for us. This is the kind of fast. This is the kind of prayers. This is the kind of devotion. This is the kind of life that he's chosen for every one of us. And I want you to notice something about this. He doesn't leave it up to what you and I think we should do. He doesn't leave it to as we please. He doesn't leave it up to just our prophet. He says, this is the fast that I chose. This is the way that I want you to live. And then he lists out some of the things, some of the illustrations, some of the examples of the way that he wants us to live. So his way, the way that he chose, the way he chose for us to live for him is simply responding to the overwhelming love that he has for you. His way is sacrifice for other people out of that love as it works in you. His way is denying yourself with the strength that he gives you. His way is sacrificing your life for his life. And sacrificing your life for others. His way is compassion. His way is justice. That's what those things are listed out there. And so I want to borrow a phrase from David last night. David said, I think he said, people who interact with Jesus become amazed by him. And I think along with that, the people who interact with Jesus then, as you follow through, people who live like this, interact with Jesus like this in the scriptures, people who interact with Jesus, they then get God on their side. Let me tell you what I mean. Isaiah 58, 8 through 11. Let's read it quick. 
He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. So if you choose to fast this way, to pray this way, to live this way, to, 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 to give your life to me in this way. Verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. How many of you need healing in your life? Then your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and he'll say, here I am. Wow, I would have thought that would be more exciting to people. But no, 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 you're fine. Don't scream. No, 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 I don't want you to. No, God being right there for you. Here I am for you. That's, that's not a big deal. Whatever. No, stop it. I'm so dumb, I couldn't help myself. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Man, that's a big fat list of goodness. Look what happens when people fast this way, pray this way, live this way. Your light breaks forth like the dawn. You light up the world. Your light rises in the darkness. You light up the world. Your night, the dark parts of your life, become like noonday. You light up the world. The righteousness of God goes before you and clears paths for you. The glory of the Lord follows you where you go. God answers when you call. You have his attention and on and on and on. I want to be pretty clear about something here. I'm not saying at this point, well, do all these things. So that you can get all those things. I'm not talking about you doing a bunch of works to earn something that you think you should deserve. I'm saying the people that go pure hearted, pure clean motives. God, this is what I want. I want to love you and I want to love the people around you. The greatest thing you've commanded me to do. Those people, they just get what God wants to give. Not out of selfish motive. I'm going to do this so that I can get it. Nope. I'm just going to do this. And if you never do anything for me again, I don't care. I'm going to give everything I have for you. That's the story that I'm telling today. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of believer I want to be. That's the kind of man, husband, father, youth pastor that I want to be. Pure heart to love God and love people. It results in this. Jeremiah Parks, we were talking about this earlier, and he said it this way. He's an associate pastor here. He, he said it this way. He says, you know, if you're like a conduit, if you're like a fire hose, if you're like, if you're like a conduit of water and a hose, and the, if the water's pumping through that hose, the hose inside, it's going to get wet. It just happens. So when you become a conduit like this, with this kind of love and these kinds of ideas, you're just going to naturally, it's going to happen in you. You're going to get that stuff on you. It's going to be in you. You don't do it to get it. You just do it. But every time you do it, God is so good, He just gives it. Let me give you an example of it. Can I real quick? 
several, it was last year, last year sometime, in March and April, God put something crazy and major on our hearts. He gave us uh, an idea. He was working James 127. We were hungry for God. What do you want us to do as a student ministry? What do you want TAG to do next? What's the thing? How can we be real in this thing? How can we be more like you, Jesus? What do you want us to do? And he brought us to James 127 to care for widows and orphans. And he connected us with some other people. A great dude named Kirby, who's actually sitting right down here. A, an organization called World... Yeah, yeah! A great organization called World Orphans, who rescues orphans all around the world. 140 43 million orphans around the world, 43 million of them in Africa. And God said, God started saying in our hearts, build an orphan home. And then, and as, as, as this, as this kind of a lifestyle, sacrifice and do something incredible. But then God began to speak more to me and to Jeremiah and to Kirby and to world orphans and said, no, don't just do that. Maybe do just a little bit more. You know what? Just watch this video. It'll tell you real quick some of the story. I told them that by, if they would give their lives away and help rescue the orphans, they would in turn rescue their own destiny. Destiny rescuing destiny. You know, we'd just been through a pretty rough couple of years. And we were just hungry. So... We'd been praying, you know, God, what's next? What do we do? Where do we go as a student ministry? And this idea came, well, uh, we could build an orphan home. And um, thought, wow, that's, that is amazing. How do we do that? Who would we do that with? How, how could we get that done? He called me and he said, Kirby, the tag is thinking about uh, building an orphan home. And we would like you to come and share what you learned in Africa and, and, and tell us about some of the orphan homes and the minute he said that I felt like the Lord spoke to me don't build one do a lot more do four they hadn't thought about building four but they asked me to come and uh, talk to the kids <laughs> and what what gripped my heart when I walked to the front to speak to these wonderful, wonderful young people, was that my generation had let them down. But I repented to them. And it occurred to me that they are exactly God's chosen people at this time. For such a day as this, they were born. They literally could change the world. And I said, you hear things like that, but let me tell you practically how this group, this night, and this meeting can do that. And I told them about building uh, four orphan homes. And we took, we took like three weeks and we just gave it to them. Okay, guys, here's the details. Here's the vision. Here's the, here's the challenge of building four orphan homes. Here's the matching grant uh, that could be given of $60,000. So our goal is another sixty, and we can hit these four orphan homes. The first Wednesday in March, we said it's our first offering. And so 
that night came in, in the middle of worship um, we said now's the time this is the first one and they started coming forward it wasn't just to pass the buckets it was a this is my worship this is my life this is what I want to do so young people bringing something to touch other lives was worship and in what I could see was young people worshiping for the first time ever. And then it became clear as day to me when we started, these kids started bringing forward their money and, and work at getting extra jobs to, to build these orphanages, to save lives. I started realizing the best way to reach a young person in Colorado Springs is to help them reach a young person in Uganda. And that night, uh, they gave, a bunch of high school kids gave $15,000 just in one evening and so for us that meant one orphan home built and when I was in uh, Africa I told the, the young people there the, the orphans I said it's taken me 25 years to get here but waves of support are coming and you are God's chosen army for such a day as this you were born to turn uh, Uganda upside down, Africa upside down, and the world upside down. At the end of eight weeks, we took our final offering. We said, you gave $67,000 just of your own free will. And the celebration that went up from that place, it was deafening. So can reach a generation by giving them an opportunity to reach another generation. And you multiply. It's the fish in the loaves, and God multiplies it. This is the kind of fast that God has chosen. This is what happens when a bunch of young people say, I want to sacrifice my all. I don't want to, I don't want to mix. I don't want what's for me. I, want, I just want to lay it bare and give all. I want to live a lifestyle like Isaiah 58.